Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. We just had a great event at the Justice Run this last weekend, running to fight human trafficking. They had over 1,400 runners. Adoption Now had a booth there, and we just got to meet so many adoptive families that are coming on the show to tell their story. And we just want to thank all the volunteers that helped make that event successful. Next week, we will be in Detroit recording shows. So we're just super excited about the program growing, um, just reaching more people. We believe that talking about adoption experiences is helping people, educate people, and it's also really encouraging others. So we're just honored that God is allowing us to keep going. And today, I am so excited about this beautiful guest. I mean, she is, she's just a really amazing woman. She's a model. She's a blog writer. She works in marketing. Um, She has four children. And she was adopted at four months. So we're excited to have her on the show so she can tell us about her story. Sarah Winger, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So you're such a strong voice on speaking about parenting. Um, Like I said, Mm -hmm. you have four biological children. You just had one. So you have Mm -hmm. three of them under four. So you are super busy. Yeah. I appreciate you being here and taking the time to do an interview. Um, No problem. I love your story. And I I know a lot of families love your story because you are African-American and you were adopted by a Caucasian family. Yes, that's right. So yeah. let's let's talk about your story. Why did your parents choose adoption? Um, well, from talking to my mom, uh, they, well, my mom specifically had always wanted to adopt, even um, as a young girl. Uh, she was around another family who had adopted, and uh, she was, um, I believe, kind of like a babysitter for those kids at times and just really grew close to them and fell in love with that family. And so she always had that in her heart that when she um, was able to have a family, she wanted to adopt no matter what. Um, and so when she got married and they started talking about having a family, that was always in a conversation. Um, I think they had some problems uh, in the beginning having biological children, um, but probably not anything that couldn't have been fixed. Um, uh, through, you know, a, a simple surgery, but uh, she decided not to go that route and have surgery or, or go through any of those other um, avenues. She decided, well, this is a sign that we're going to just adopt. So they began that process um, when they were still uh, in college. They were married, um, but still both full-time college students. Okay. So when they started that process, how long did they wait before they got their first child? Well, Interestingly enough, they had been told um, that it would take, you know, a year or more before they were placed, um, a child was placed with them. And so they thought they could, you know, finish up school and, and the timing would be perfect. Well, it was not that long. I, I believe it was only, um, I mean, maybe not even a month. It was really, really fast. And they got a call one night in uh, telling them that the next day they um, there was an, a newborn baby for them. And so they ran to, it was like a store uh, similar to Target, and just got everything they could. And the next day at 1 o'clock, my older sister um, 
was placed with them, and she was just a few days old. You know, that's exactly our story. They told us a couple of years, and then, you know, that night, they're like, there's a baby in the hospital, and we did the same thing. We were throwing everything into a cart, and I mean, your parents instantly, and you... You have biological children, so you know that nine months to prepare. Oh, yeah. But when yeah. you become a parent overnight and you've never had a child to care never. for, it is just, mm-hmm. it is crazy. Yeah. It's exciting it's and it's scary. So yeah. here they are. They're still in college. They're new parents mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they have a new baby. So you're, the first yes. one was your sister. Yes, my oldest sister, Janelle. She was, uh, she was born in Wyoming. And like I said, they adopted her just a few days old. And um, it was pretty impressive, in my opinion. My mom was taking her to college classes, you know. Um, she just, they just made it work because they knew that it was meant to be. And the timing um, was, you know, out of their hands, really. And they just trusted God that that's what um, was supposed to happen. So, And what um, was her ethnicity? She is half white and half black. Okay. And so, and the same with my older brother who uh, they adopted him two years later, you know, not quite two years later. I think we're all about 20 months apart. She said 21 months apart. So um, they adopted him uh, from, he was born in Alabama and um, he's also half white and half black. And he was adopted um, when he was four months old. And that is the same for me as well. So we were both four months old. And were, did, were you raised in Colorado? Uh, yeah, well, we uh, were raised in Massachusetts, actually, until I was about 12 years old, 11, 12, and then we moved here to Colorado, and that's where we, we stayed. So Okay, so they were adopting from Massachusetts, and they were adopting yeah. from different states. Okay, so exactly. they bring home your brother at four months, and then yeah. 20 months later, around that, yeah. they get another car. Yeah. Were they looking to continue yeah. growing their family? Yes, absolutely. They, um, <clears throat> I, I feel like maybe they had the n- number three in, in mind, uh, three kids. Um, they ended up with four, but that, um, after my brother, they, um, you know, had an, a desire to, to, uh, grow the family a little bit more. And so I came along and then at four months, um, they got a call that I was available for adoption and so they had, uh, like I said, they were living in Massachusetts, and there was this woman that um, just kind of donated her time. Her husband was a pilot, and so she um, flew me. I was born in Texas. She flew with me from Texas to uh, Massachusetts, and um, that's where my parents kind of met me in the airport there. And so my mom says that my, my older sister and brother just always thought that babies came from airports because that's where they kept going. You know, and that's what their story was. But my parents just got us at airports. So, um, that is so yeah, cute. They, yeah, yeah. So it's a fun, funny story. Okay, so you're born in Texas. Do you know anything about your birth parents? I know very little information about them. Uh, it's a close adoption and the... the um, the information I do have is um, age. Um, they were both pretty young, um, I believe 17 and 18. Um, they had a child already. So um, um, I don't know the exact age of that child, but um, I think maybe around one or two um, <clears throat> was the age of that one. And and so I do know and can kind of guess that when I came along, that was probably a little too overwhelming and they couldn't, um, 
probably give me the life that they had wanted to give me. And so they placed me up for adoption. And um, when I was born, I was, and this I found out just recently that in Texas, there's a, there was a law in the 70s and 80s that, um, you know, you had to wait four months before you could adopt um, a baby. And that's not in all states, but it was in Texas, and I know it was in Alabama, and that's why we were both, my brother and I were both four months when my parents got us. So I went to um, Catholic Children's Services type of a place where um, nuns took care of me for four months and loved on me for four months, and um and then that's when my parents were able to get me. So that's just very interesting to me that a state would yeah. make. What would be the reasoning behind that? I think it was um, maybe the the birth parents had that four months to change their mind or to that things weren't quite final until those four months, and so um, they just they just had that waiting period, and then after that it was we were free to be adopted. So, yeah, I don't know when that law changed or, or what, but or why it was only in a certain few states, but I know it was true of Texas. So so then were they contacting the adoptive parents at four months, or did they know you were around and they were kind of waiting for you? No, they did not know about me. They didn't know about me until I was four months. So, um, you know, they were working through a private agency, Um for all of our adoptions. And so their caseworker just um, called them and said that there's a four month old baby that uh, is in Texas. And I want to know if you're interested in, in her. And so they said, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it all was like kind of quick. Once they find out there's a baby, then it all happens really fast. It's interesting. Now you make me want to do a bunch of research on that because to me, it's so interesting because this woman brought you to your parents, but it was in state. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like an escort from Korea. We've done stories where the, you know, family was waited here in the States and then the baby was brought over, but this is state to state. And now the family Mm -hmm. has to go because the ICP paperwork, that interstate paperwork, Mm -hmm. you have to wait days and days. I mean, I don't know very many people that don't wait at least a week. We had to wait two weeks in Florida before it's all passed. So somebody couldn't just bring me the baby. I love talking about it because (laughs) I I actually want to be that. I would love to be (laughs) like, go get the baby and bring the baby home to a, you know, to a family. I mean, that's just such an incredible gift. And if they have other children, it's very difficult. We packed up Mm -hmm. our two kids to go get Vivi and it was just chaos. So if somebody could have brought me her, although, you know, being in the hospital and having that bonding you know, right, right away is really right away. as well. Yeah. But, yeah. um, okay. So this lady brings you, they're all at the airport to pick you up. Mm-hmm. And then what is life like? Oh gosh. I know my mom said that, um, you know, they picked me up from the airport and they had never seen me. Um, they didn't have a picture of me or, and this was true of all of us. They never got to see a picture of us beforehand. Um, and so it was very big excitement there. All of my family was waiting at my grandma's house so, um, they could see me. So they brought me home, um, from the airport to, to my grandma's house and everybody's there, my uncles, aunts, cousins. And, um, my mom said she had a blanket over, um, my car seat or whatever I was in and kind of unveiled me to the family. And so, honestly, from there on out, like I said, I was there for 12 years in Massachusetts, a very close-knit family. 
um, and just had a great uh, childhood with them. Um, just loved on me. Everybody was so supportive. I asked my mom if she felt like family was supportive of them adopting and specifically interracial adopting. And she said everyone was so uh, supportive and just loved all of us so much, just like um, they were, you know, biologically there. So it was always uh, just a loving environment for us um, and a safe place to be uh, in that family. So, so yeah. I wish your mom was here because I'd love to ask her. Maybe you know, but <laughs> yeah. what is the what are some of the things that she did to get you guys to attach? I mean, uh, you know, four months is kind of yeah. four months is four months. You, you're in a routine yeah. with someone else. Um, by the time yeah. kids are four months, a lot of times they're sleeping through the night. And I'm sure you think about mm-hmm. that now as a mom. Mm-hmm. And you know, you think about your four month old baby, even your six week old baby. Think about mm-hmm. not having that time with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you've done so I much think, with her already. So how did she yeah. connect? Yeah. And I, I've asked her that question and she, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's almost miraculous how it worked out because those few weeks in the very beginning of a baby's life, they are so important um, for attachment reasons. But she said that uh, with all of us, even uh, my brother, who was also four months old, it was almost an instant type of connection. She never felt like we didn't quite know who she was or, um, you know, we were, we were attached to her from the beginning. And I don't know if that was because in my situation, those first four months I was with not just one person, but with, but with a group of women taking care of me. So it wasn't like I was attached to just one person. Um, I was probably, you know, passed around a lot within that, um, that home, um, all loving people, but still not just one person to attach to. And so I think when I came home to them, um, I don't know, it must've been an instinct for both of us, for, for me and for her that, that this was it, you know, this is one person and she's, she's holding me and she's protective of me. And, you know, she said she never felt like there was never a, you know, that there wasn't a, um, a period that, that I just wasn't, Say, uh, feeling safe or feeling attached or it was just an instant thing. And I, and I, looking back, I don't remember ever feeling, obviously I was really young, but just growing up, I've always felt super, super close to my mom. Um, even now, you know, I, I talk to her every single day. It's just, it's something that I feel is miraculous and something that God blessed us with, um, having that connection from the very beginning. What about your dad? Uh, my dad, you know, I know that he, I can't remember at that time when I was adopted what his occupation was, but I know he did have to travel a lot, um, uh, especially in the summers, I believe he was gone a lot. So, you know, I I always felt close to him too, almost like um, I felt definitely like a, like he was a protector type of role for us. Um a strong, I remember just feeling like he was a strong, protective person, you know. Um, and so, I don't know. I feel like he probably would have wanted maybe more time with us. Um, he was gone all summer long because he was um, doing, he was a pilot um, during the summers. And so, he he was gone all summer long. Like, we didn't see him. And so, 
I think maybe he would have loved to have been there in those early years um, during those times. But um, I never felt a disconnect to him because when he was around, he was very present for us. And and so it really made up for those times that he was gone. Um, but I do know, you know, he was a teacher as well. My mom said that she um, worked her schedule out as a nurse, full-time nurse, so that she was with us during the day. And then my dad um, would come home from teaching and be with us when she had to go to work at three. So we were always with one of them. Um, and if there was some kind of overlap, we were with, you know, my grandma or somebody or some close family member. So it was always, um, I always felt like we were always together, even though we weren't, it just felt like a safe place for us. Right. And you probably got time to then bond with your father because your mom was not there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I find it's it's healthy across the board, whether it's biological children or adopted children. Um, You know, I, I had to go out of town for work. I remember Mm -hmm. it was last year. So Vivi was just nine months. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking, this is going to, I don't know how the kids are going to (laughs) do. And when I came back after a couple of days, they were so much more attached to him and Mm -hmm. trusted him. They, he was going to feed them and he was, I mean, their hair might Mm -hmm. look crazy, but (laughs) you know, they had gotten to really bond with him and trust that he was also a caregiver and very different, but I think it was really healthy for me. And sometimes it's scary as a mom to leave your kids Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and think, is dad going to be able to do it? And, you know, dads that step up to the plate should really be honored and recognized because Mm -hmm. it's important for you to know that, Hey, dad is safe and he's going to provide for me and mom is nurturing and she's going to love me. And so you sounds like they were working together dually attaching to you guys. Now, Mm -hmm. so you're, so, okay. You're, brother and your sister are half and you are mm-hmm. your both of your parents were african-american correct right correct yeah mm-hmm. so were there times that you guys remember asking your parents like why are we adopted what's our story mm-hmm. why do we have different color skin yeah i i don't remember personally ever asking that and so i kind of just assumed that it never was an issue for me but talking to my mom she remembers clearly um, going through a phase where it was something that came up a lot in conversation and that I would question it. And I would say, well, why is my skin dark and your skin isn't? And, um, and things like that. And she said it, it came up a lot to the point where, um, my, my mom and my dad, they did decide to go ahead and adopt another baby. When actually my younger brother, he was adopted when he was three. Um, um, but they, a big part of that decision was to, um, add another child to the family that looks like me. Um, and then they also chose to be a boy, uh, so that my brother could have, um, a brother as well. So it was kind of a dual type of thing for us, but she said after, uh, my little brother, Jonathan came home, uh, she never heard me talk about race again. Uh, you know, I never questioned it again. It just made it things okay, I guess. And and it, it's just very interesting to me that I don't remember any of that. I never remember it being an issue, but she clearly remembers it and that and remembers me just never talking about it again once my brother came home. And I was able to kind of relate to him in, in that way. So 
Isn't that interesting? We talked a little bit about that. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And how you don't really remember. And one of the things that it really encouraged me is I'm getting a lot of questions from my son right now who's six Mm -hmm. and it's really hard. It's easy to say, Mm -hmm. be open and honest. But when your child starts asking you a lot of questions and you feel Mm -hmm. like there might be something that would be painful to him or maybe he doesn't feel good about himself. It's really hard as a parent to try to explain that, especially to a a little guy. But um, just talking with you, I just Mm -hmm. think maybe when, if I answer these things correctly and with the grace of God, maybe when he grows up, he will barely remember. Exactly. Because you didn't remember, you know, a lot of that until your mom reminded Uh you. Yeah. And it was more you know, a a bigger memory for her, obviously, it was something that really stood out in her mind. And it didn't in mine at all. And so it just goes to show a lot of the things that us parents worry about with our kids. It's, it's really more of our issue than it is theirs, you know, and, and it's not something that's going to cause damage to them in the long run, for the most part, it's just something, you know, we, we go through in our childhood, and then, it's it's barely a memory and you know we do the best we can with our kids but i think that they they did an amazing job um with listening to to me and kind of like my concerns and and really helping me see that situation we have to take a short break stay tuned because when we come back we're going to talk to sarah about being in an interracial family we're going to talk a little bit about what it was like to bring home the fourth baby, the fourth child. And she's going to help us on the hair issue. So if you have adopted children and you're thinking, how did her mom do her hair? She's going to help us. Stay tuned. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. Canyon City is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Sarah Winger, who was adopted at four months. She's just been sharing her story about life um, with other adopted children and how close the family was. And now, Sarah, you had mentioned that you adopted, your family adopted another baby and mm-hmm. he is closer to your skin color. Where is yeah. he from? He was uh, born in Ecuador. Um, so this is my, my parents' first and only experience with, the, with um, international adoption. And so they went over to Ecuador and got my brother. He was um, three, almost four. And uh, it's very dark skin. Even though he's Ecuadorian, he, he has uh, more of a complexion close to mine. So um, I could relate to his physical look um, more than anything. He didn't speak any English either, (laughs) so it was all Spanish, which was really interesting. Um, But I just loved, loved having him around in our family. How old were you? I was almost eight, I believe, Um, around eight years old when he came. 
Okay, so the three of you are very close in age. You said every child, mm-hmm. so you have two older siblings, and it's every 20 months they yeah. you yeah. guys are close. Oh, so they waited yeah. a long time before they brought home your brother. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Jonathan. Okay, so they brought home Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, you know, I don't know if they felt like they were done at three, but, uh, and, and I don't know how much of... Um, a role it played that I was asking questions about race and kind of concerned that I um, didn't really look like anybody um, in my family. I don't know how much that played in, in their decision to adopt Jonathan. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they waited a while um, after me to adopt. And uh, I guess I just felt like it was the right time at, at that point to add him to the family. So then you stopped asking questions, but did you about your race, but did you ask questions about your adoption? Yes, I was very, um, you know, I, I don't know what age. I don't think I really asked much back then. Um, and uh, my parents were always very open about the fact that I was adopted. And so I never felt like I, you know, that they were holding any information from me. It was from day one, uh, it was just always part of the conversation that I was adopted. And so I'm sure there were questions here and there about, you know, asking them if they knew anything about my adoption or knew anything about my birth parents. But, um, I don't remember asking too much about that. Uh, it wasn't, it's not till I was older and married and, um, having children of my own that I kind of became a little bit more, um, intuitive about it and just wondering kind of if there is any more information um, health information, um, just just things that I'm curious about um, that I really didn't think about when I was younger. Uh, so it's not it hasn't been until recently that I've wondered about about my adoption. And what have you done with that? Can you find them? No, well, uh, it is a closed adoption. I haven't really, um, you know, gone any route where you know I've hired an investigator or anything like that to find them, but. I have been very curious as to my ethnic um, kind of makeup. And so I did do, um, my husband actually surprised me last, um, my last birthday with um, a DNA test that I did through Ancestry DNA. And so I was able to find out kind of all of the ethnicity, um, I guess they call them not matches, but it's just an ethnicity makeup. And so I found out kind of that I had um, a lot of um, different African um, ethnicities. So that was really cool because I've always wondered um, where my ancestors came from because I would always get questions like, oh, you look very, um, I don't know what word they would use, but they would always think I was from Africa and um you know, <laughs> weren't really sure if I even spoke English. Sometimes, like, strangers would come up to me and be like, you know, where are you from? And I'm like, uh, Texas, you know, <laughs> I was born in Texas, and they'd be, like, shocked. And so I was like, okay, so I must look away a certain way that people are, are asking these questions. And so that's that's kind of what led me to do that DNA test. So it was really cool to find that out. Um, and also through that testing, they kind of will, will show you if you have any other DNA matches uh, from other people that have done the same test through that same um, place. And so you can kind of 
find people that way. Um, but that really wasn't the, the motivation for me to do that. It was more just to find out um, kind of the, my ancestors' ethnicity and kind of where I came from. How do they break that down? Do they say what country? Mm-hmm. What What is yeah. that? What are you? Yeah. Well, 40%, it came up 40% um, Ivory Coast in Ghana. And then I think it was around 23% um, Congo, um, what's the other one, Cameroon, I believe, and then 11% Nigeria. And then there's like a little mixture of, of a bunch of different regions. So it was mainly Ivory Coast in Ghana, which was really cool to find out. Um, I thought for sure I was going to be mostly from Senegal because I actually traveled there a few years back for a missions trip. And there were so many Senegalese people that would come up to me. They knew I was with a group from America. And so they would come up to me and, and, and ask me if I was from there. Um, if my, you know, family was from there cause they really looked like that type of makeup. And, and so I was for sure that that was going to show up, but it didn't. So it was Ivory Coast and Ghana mostly. That's very interesting. Yeah. And anyone who knows our story as well is probably laughing because people stop us all the time and ask us <laughs> if Vivi is from, from Ghana. And I say, yeah. no, she's from Florida. And they're like, no, she's not. And I'm like, well, my story. <laughs> she is. She's from Florida. Yep. That's where we got her. No. I mean, people will no. argue with us in the yeah. store. Oh, yeah. And so maybe a better answer would be, well, maybe, you know, her ancestry, it goes right. back to Ghana. But she yes. was born in Florida, yes. you know, and yeah. so that's very yeah. interesting that you did that. And mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, when you got that paperwork, didn't that answer so many questions? What did that feel like to find out your history? It felt really cool. Um, I, I've always been interested in, in finding that out. And I think that was probably brought on by a lot of questions from people, but that just, you know, something grew in me that I wanted to know. Um, like what group of people I look like because I just I just like that that thought of of knowing okay I kind I kind of look like these people that's why it was cool when I did go to Senegal and was thinking that maybe at, that's where my ancestors were from it was cool to think about okay I do kind of look like these people here and and you know we're all tall and kind of thin and um, I don't know we just really looked a lot alike and so. Um, that was a big motivation to do the testing. And, and when I found out the results, it was just like, oh, okay. Like you kind of have a sense of, um, belonging. Yes, exactly. Not like that your family, this is where it started, you know, not that you don't belong with your family, but something yeah. to identify with. Something to identify with. And that's interesting. You say it because also on that website, you can put in, you know, your last name and then it will kind of, you know, take you back through um, the the history that they have already plugged in there. And so that was just as exciting for me as well. Like I would, even though it wasn't my biological bloodline, uh, you know, that family, it was still interesting to see where my family came from, my parents, my grandparents, and back and back further. Um, it was so cool just to see that and to kind of connect the dots there. So I have that sense of belonging with them or else I would have never really cared to plug in my name. Um, But I also felt like it was cool to have that sense of belonging as far as my ethnicity. Um, So it's kind of a a two-part type of thing, you know. So 
Where did I, you... I guess that kind of just shows my parents really had a good balance there as far as making me feel, you know, a part of their family and their history, um, but also, um, you know, made me feel free to, to explore my ethnicity as well. Absolutely. Where is that website? That is um, Ancestry.com. Okay. And I specifically did their DNA test. That's, I think it's, you can go there like DNA.Ancestry.com and um, and get that test. It's really cool. Yeah. I did it too. And you it's did. super easy. Yes, because my I'm American Indian and everyone always says, oh. you don't look American Indian. And no. I'm like, I know. And then I met, I, my dad was not around when I was little. And so I met them later and I'm like, wow, I really mm-hmm. don't look anything like these people. <laughs> so I did a DNA test to find out like yeah. I, I, I switched at birth or what happened, but I actually found out I'm more American Indian than they even thought I was. So that's amazing. made me a little bit it. more confused, but at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> I have the answers I need you know, exactly. for, for my background. And it's interesting exactly. too. Sometimes if you study that, um, there are certain foods that work and don't work. Mm-hmm. There are certain things mm-hmm. you need to be aware of, um, that mm-hmm. you can't break down, you know? Yeah. So doing a study on, on what's the healthiest for your ethnicity is very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, some wow. people weigh into that. Some people don't, but I just found it yeah. interesting and That's just so discovering cool. who you are. Um, it is. It's good. about your, your birth parents, though, even if it's closed, mm-hmm. did you have a birth name? Not that I know of. Um, there was no name. Uh, there's no name on any of the paperwork. Um, the only name that I came with was Tiffany, uh, just the first name. And I and I don't know where that came from, if that, that was a name that the nuns gave me. Um, but, you know, my parents obviously changed my name to Sarah when they adopted me. But uh, there's no name or anything that would would lead me back to my birth parents. Wow. Have you watched yeah. that show, um, Long Lost Family on TLC? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever think, huh, what if I did that? What if, totally. what if I found that yeah. other child? Because there's another full sibling. Yeah. And that is very uh, intriguing to me. Like, I, I would love to see my siblings and see, you know, what they look like and if we have similar uh, features or just similar stories as far as like what they did with their lives, if they're athletic, if, you know, I have those kind of um, questions about them. Um, Yeah. I don't know if I would ever want to do a show. I don't know if I want it all on camera. (laughs) I can't really trust my reactions, but, um, but it would be super cool to, to, to find out a little bit more about about my uh, biological family. What about your siblings? Have any of them wanted mm-hmm. to reach out to biological parents? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked a little bit about it with my my, my sister, and um, uh, I don't know if she necessarily wants to find her family, but she is very interested in doing this DNA test as well, um, the, like, like what I did uh, to find out her kind of background and her ethnicity uh, background. But, um, and maybe, you know, through that as well, she can find some matches of her biological family on there. But um, there there hasn't ever been an overwhelming want from any of us to, to find our biological families. It's never been this thing where we, we have to find out and so we can feel complete or feel, you know, it's never been that for us. It's just kind of been more of a... Uh, 
just a curiosity. Right, right. So, so are are you guys all close now as adults? Yeah, and, you know, I wouldn't say we were super close growing up. I mean, we fought just like any other siblings would. Um, but I, I feel like after um, having families of our own and, you know, going through some of the same experiences with, with children and things like that, we've become a lot more close. Um, I'm close in um, proximity to my older brother. He lives in the same town, and so I get to see him a lot more than I do my other siblings. But, you know, with FaceTime and things like that, I'm able to stay stay in touch with um, mainly my older sister and get to see her kiddo. And um, we try, we do try to to stay connected through that and, and talk a lot on the phone and, and, and uh, something I never thought really we would, we would be at that point just because, you know, we, there is a four year difference between my sister and I, and, you know, she moved out right after high school. And so we never really were together um, as adults. And so it's really cool that we have a, a close relationship now and have so many things in common. Yeah, that is great. And and totally mm-hmm. a testament to God in your life and mm-hmm. all the miracles that he did for your family and bringing you guys all together mm-hmm. and your parents being really open. I think that that's the healthiest way to be. It's the hardest way to be. I'm going to be really mm-hmm. honest with you. I would like mm-hmm. to pretend that my children are my birth children mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they're African-American, but... I want them to feel, I don't want them to feel lost. You worry about that as a a mother when your children are are young. What are they thinking? Are they sad? Do they feel, um, you know, disconnected from you? And you just, I think a lot of it is just worry. And Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, if you keep loving them and you're honest and you're open and they grow up, they they don't remember those times then exactly. and they just remember that exactly. you love them and it was a safe place mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. they knew mom and dad were just always going to be there for them um one mm-hmm. of the questions that we want to hit on is the hair and yeah. your mom so what kind of hair did your sister have she was you know, mixed. she had yes and she always had the hair that i wanted because it seemed so much more manageable but you know she had her own struggles too with her hair she would probably say she was she had different hair as well so you know she had very curly hair but it was much more manageable than mine mine was very curly very thick um coarse and just a mess most of the time <laughs> like like vivi's my exactly. little baby and you have the same I, hair. Exactly. I need to show you my baby pictures because it is Vivi. It is exactly that type of hair. And yeah, I mean, my mom really did the best she could. And, um, you know, I think she was educated enough to to figure out how to make me look presentable and, and things like that. But as I got older, you know, she really had to go out of her way to find people to help her. And so she, uh, I remember having, um, this lady, her name was Karen. I think my mom worked with her and she was African American and she did my hair for a long time while we were in Massachusetts. And so my mom would take me to her house and she would do, do my hair. And, um, those, that was always a really a fun treat for me. And then here in Colorado, she also, you know, found people that would help her and, braid my hair and things like that. So she really was aware that um, it was a challenging uh, thing for her to 
wrangle my hair. And so she enlisted some help of friends. When you see pictures, are you like, oh, no. Or are you like, <laughs> okay, it's not bad. Yeah, you know, when I had my hair braided, I would say that was probably the best uh, look for me. But honestly, uh, when I tried to do my own hair is when I was like, oh, my goodness, like, this is not working out, you know. And so even to this day, you know, it's still a, a work in progress, a learning experience for me on how to really um, – work with my hair. And so I still have people help me and I still have, you know, people that are experienced in it a lot more than I am to help me with my hair. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there, we have some pictures that are embarrassing and, you know, crazy hair pictures, but I, I really don't think I cared too much back then. I was more of a tomboy and, uh, into sports all the time playing, you know, with the boys. And so, and it wasn't until maybe later on high school I was like, okay, let's let's tame the hair, and that's when I started getting braids and and getting things looking a little bit more presentable. Yes, you know, being in an interracial family, things are so different. I mean, the whole dynamic mm-hmm. of the family changes for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do have to recognize that their hair has to be done in a certain way, and I do the very best I can. Mm-hmm. She's only eighteen months. Mm-hmm. When she's older, we'll you know be taking her to getting her braids and. And keeping up with um, how to care for yourself, you know, how, how to yeah. maintenance your hair and do the things. I mean, lotion your skin. I mean, we are constantly uh-huh. chasing our son down. Don't, oh, he cannot yeah. be ashy, you know. <laughs> and so because wherever you go, people are watching you yeah. always. Oh, yeah. If oh, you're thinking yeah. about becoming Absolutely. an interracial family, think about that <laughs> everywhere you go. And you, you know, you're married to a Caucasian man. And so you're also yeah. still probably people are watching you wherever yeah. you go and trying oh, to. Oh, yeah figure out your situation. Um, Uh One of the things, and we're running out of time, but one of the things I loved that you said is that your parents, not only were they really open and loving and created a safe environment, they they also raised you in a way that was culture, the culture was true to them. They didn't worry about, um, you know, making sure that you were involved in racial things or that you were, Mm -hmm. um, you know, ready to just be argumentative or offended. Mm -hmm. They just raised you to be a loving person like they were. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think that, and I see you doing that with your kids. I just Mm -hmm. feel that you um, have become just a more secure person. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even though they were very open about us being adopted and, um, and things like that, we always, they were also very open about the fact that we belong to them, that they were our parents, that we were theirs. Um, um, you know, my parents, my mom would be offended when people would be like, you know, are they yours? And she's like, of course they're mine. You know, no matter how they came to be, they are mine. And so we never um, felt funny about that. And we always felt secure in that. And so, yeah, they raised us to, to enjoy our history, the history of, you know, the Butler family and, and, and that culture and that environment, and that's what shaped me. Um, you know, but yeah, they didn't go out of their way to educate us on other cultures. I mean, I, I was educated through things I learned in school and things that I personally um, learned on my own. You know, for example, going to Senegal and going to Gory Island and, and learning about um, the slave trades and all of that the stuff that happened there. But as far as growing up, yeah, the, the, the environment and the culture of my family that's what shaped me and that's what uh, made me who I am today. And I'm so grateful for that. And I wouldn't want it any other way. 
We are grateful as well. I love having you on the show. You are such an inspiration Mm -hmm. to so many adoptive moms and so many parents. You're just so open and real. You have your own blog. Tell us what that is real quick. Yeah, that is us. I'm on the Colorado Springs Moms Blogs, colorspringscitymomsblog.com, and I'm writing there once a month. And she writes very open and honestly about parenting. And if you struggle with anything or you just need somebody to connect with, it's a great thing to read. So thank you so much for being on. I want to have you and your mom on sometime together in the studio. It would be so fun. And so congratulations on your new baby. Thank you for taking time out. All right. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.